Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. All right, guys, I want to welcome you to message number five in this series about overcoming bad decisions. Now, I'm telling you, if you were here last week, you have learned that this thing about decisions, uh, man, it's pretty phenomenal. There, there's a lot involved in making decisions. There's a lot about our beliefs. There's a, a lot about what it produces. And as a matter of fact, next week, I'm going to talk about what being willing to make a decision will produce in you and how it will actually, it, it'll, it'll change the way you think, it'll change the way you believe, it will change the way your brain actually works when you uh, determine to start making decisions. And, and so today you're going to learn kind of about the power of making decisions. We're talking about decide, decree, and create. You know, there, there was a scripture that I read, you know, decades ago. And uh, man, I'm, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible, even though this is not too different from the King James, but, it, but basically it's more loyal to uh, the Hebrew language. So Job 22, 28 says this, you shall also decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established. Now, this is an amazing thing. And I want you to understand uh, th th there's a factor in using our authority. And that's what this is talking about, making a decision and then decreeing it. Uh, and this is what happens when a believer uses their authority or actually really when any person uses their authority. Now, one of the things that's very interesting, you know, and we're gonna look at this passage in Mark 22 where, where Jesus was teaching the disciples how to operate the God kind of faith. And, uh, you know, many people read that passage of scripture and they put words there that are not there. And so, you know, Jesus said, if, if you speak to this mountain and tell it to move and you believe in your heart and doubt not, uh, it's going to happen. Now, we change that in our brain because of how we've been affected through religious thinking. And we've been made to believe that that says God will do that for you. That's not, that's not what it says. It says it will happen because you do it, because you believe it in your heart, because you speak it, because you believe and you don't doubt. And, and it doesn't say God will do it. It says that it will just happen. Why will it just, and uh, you know, I'm, man, you know, so many people, if you were to walk into a room, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering and stammering because this is just so mind boggling to me that we need to twist this up to make it palatable to our religious senses. But this would be the equivalent to walking into a room and wanting to sit down and there's a chair across the room and you just point to that chair and say, here now. And that chair goes, just scoot across the floor. I got news for you. If you walked into a church and did that, man, people would run. They were, they would say that you were of the devil. Why? Because you didn't use all the formulas. You didn't, you know, you didn't say in the name of Jesus. You didn't do all of these religious things that you were taught that you were supposed to do. But they're not really necessarily in the Bible, even though they're in the Bible in places, and even though that that you know using the name of Jesus applies in some situations, but. But the idea here is, is God is saying, look, I created you. I gave you authority. You're created in my likeness and image. You can do in, in 
creation, in the created world, you can do the very same things that Jesus did, or and Jesus did the very same thing that God did. So, so it's just us being who we really are in the likeness and the image of God. So, but this this is talking about operating in authority. And again, we'll 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 try to touch on some more of that as we go. And so he says, and when you do this, the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. Now, anytime you see the word ways in the scripture, it's talking about the path that you're walking, how you're living, how you're understanding life. And it's saying once you do this, something opens up in the way you see the world and the way you see opportunity and the way you see limitations. Something opens up and suddenly a light comes on and now you can finally see the opportunities have been there all along, but you just couldn't see them before. You know, a lot of people ask me, what do you believe about the law of attraction? I said, well, you know, here's my thing. Uh, we use terminology to describe things that we can't see and things that we really don't fully understand. You know, I, I know on a lot of levels, we attract things to us. We attract certain types of people to us because of the way we talk and the way we act. Uh, we, You know, uh, 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 a woman that goes out and acts slutty is always going to attract immoral men that only want to use her for sexual purposes, and then she's going to spend the rest of her life saying, "Why do I attract these kind of men?" Well, it's, it's behavior. So I know that I know that attraction can you know has a lot to do with behavior, has a lot to do with the way we speak. You know, a, a con man knows a lot about who they can take advantage of just because of their posture. Uh, there's all kinds of ways of reading body language, and many people do this subconsciously. They don't even realize that they know these things. They just, they just know who they can take advantage of. So, and, and so, uh, so you know, that's technically called uh, the law of attraction. Now, I, I just want you to know something. I am not trying to be ugly, and I'm not saying to throw away some of the principles in the law of attraction. But I'm telling you, I ha I know people all over the world. I know people that preach and teach the law of attraction, and the majority of them cannot get it to work. And, uh, and the, the few that can, it wouldn't matter what they called it, it would be working in their life because of how they approach life. See, I think of the law of attraction, or what we call the law of attraction, I think of the law of attraction more like this. You see, in, in, the, in the invisible world, Everything exists in potential. In other words, uh, uh, every, uh, everything that you need to prosper is really there. Everything you need to get well is really there. Everything that you need to succeed is really there. Everything you need for your next mir miracle is already there, but exists more in the invisible realm. And so with faith and authority, we transform things from the invisible realm to the, the visible, to the seen physical world. And, uh, but, but here, here's the difference. Is it the fact that I'm attracting these outcomes or is it the fact that when I make certain decisions or when I shift, uh, uh, you know, when I shift in, in my decision maker, or just when I make a decision to do something, we know that at that moment, light or perception or revelation 
suddenly shines on your way of life, uh, on your path or on your ways, and you start realizing, wait a minute, there's opportunity on another path. There's another way I need to be going. And so it's not so much maybe that we attract things to us as much as we see things that have been there all the time. And now we know the path to take to interconnect with those things and manifest them in our life. But, you know, you can look at it however you want to, but the point is this. The moment you make a decision and take authority, not just make a decision, but make a decision and take authority, something changes in the way you see opportunity. Something changes in the way you understand the world around you. Something changes in, in, in realizing the path that you need to walk to get to where you want to go. And so it says, and, and it says, uh, and, and when they make you, well, you know what, we won't even, we will not even go into the rest of that verse. I don't have time to explain it all. And I don't want to get too far off track. So uh, I want to review what we, what we said last week. We are creating the likeness image of God. I'm going to run through this real quick. God is sovereign. We are sovereign. In other words, uh, no one uh, can, the devil, not even God can make us believe something we don't want to do or make us do something we don't want to do. And because God created us, he's never going to try to violate our will. He's not going to make our choices for us. He's going to do everything he can to lead us down the path of a life, but we got to choose if we take that path or not. But then the, then the next thing that we want to look at and review is that God operates in faith. Now, people do not believe that because of the mystical religious concepts that they, that they have of, uh, of faith. And so I want to look at this, and I want you to realize there is a part of creation. You know, like I said last week, creation has two phases or two aspects to it. And the first aspect of creation is creating the invisible realm, the, the, the field, if you will, wherein the physical world will take place. And, and in the field, uh, there's every type of uh, subatomic energy that you can imagine. And there are laws of physics that govern everything that happens in the field. And so in the field, this was the time that the earth was without form and void, or, or, you know, a creation was without form and void. There was nothing to be seen. All there really was was, a, was an invisible, energetic field, if you don't mind me using those terms. So there is one word for creation, as I mentioned last week, when it's talking about creating something from nothing. But then once that aspect of creation is established, and so we're not doing that. We don't operate uh, in the way that God operate, operated in that we create things from nothing. As we learned in Hebrews chapter 11 is that the faith that we operate in is where is just like God operates, where now we create the visible from the invisible. And this is where we become co-creators with God. And as co-creators with God, we have the opportunity to operate faith and to shape everything that's happening in the world so that it reflects the, the love, the righteousness, the goodness, uh, uh, the character, the nature of God. Or we can be the God of our own world and we can make a corrupt world that reflects everything that's corrupt about mankind. It seems like that's kind of what, you know, what we've been doing. So let's jump over, and many of you heard me teach on this, but you know what? I'm gonna to try to I'm gonna to try to make it as relevant as I possibly can. So in Genesis 1:1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, 
it's very important that we understand this and that we that we look you know that we look at all of these factors and go through all these words and so this gets into the fact like i said two phases of creation god created the heavens which would be the which would be the uh, energetic field the subatomic the invisible field and then he created the earth and all the planets and all the material things out of that which was that which was invisible and it says then in Genesis uh, 1, 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light. Now, at each phase of creation, God spoke. Now, I don't know about you, but all of my life, I was taught that the emphasis here was the fact that he spoke. And so back in the, in the uh, uh, 70s and 80s and 90s, you know, it was all about say the right thing, speak the right formula. And everybody was trying to figure out the right formula, the right thing to say to make the miraculous happen. But in the Hebrew language, this word uh, for God said is not a word that emphasizes the fact, just the fact that he spoke. It is a Hebrew word that emphasizes the fact that first, uh, he, uh, he, what he spoke was something that he conceived in his own heart. And so... And so, so we have to realize that when we're going to uh, operate in the, in the faith of God, as, as Jesus called it, or when we're going to decide and, and decree and create, then uh, it's not just enough that we say things. It's not just enough that we use the right formula. I mean, how many of you have ever used the formula? In the name of Jesus, so-and-so happened. It doesn't happen. Well, that's because you're speaking from here. You're not really speaking from here. You have an idea, you have a thought, and you have a formula, and intellectually, you know it should work. But the truth is, it is not a belief of the heart. It is not coming out of your heart, and therefore, it is not influencing anything. Because even though your thoughts and what happens in your mind actually does create and energy and have it has some capability of influencing even our physiology physiological function to some degree um, uh, that is not nearly as powerful as what happens in our heart and then when you think of the fact that our heart can can interconnect with the invisible world in ways that the mind can't. Man, you go to a whole new dimension when you start conceiving something. You know, uh, uh, I always tell people, you know, faith is not that complicated, just a few simple things that we need to understand. One of the things about faith is God declares the end from the beginning. Now, in order to declare the end from the beginning, it's got to be conceived. And when we conceive something in our heart, one of the key factors is we have to experience it as being real. Biblical meditation is, you know, not where you sit around and try to empty your mind. It's not where you sit around and chant some kind of ma mantra. Uh, a biblical men, uh, meditation is where you plant seeds in your heart, where you take the promises of God's Word, and you plant those seeds in the soil of your heart, and you ponder them, you reflect on them, you think on them, you experience them to such a degree that the outcome um, is, is, is absolute for you. As a matter of fact, you're no longer looking to an outcome that's going to come sometime in the future. You start experiencing that outcome as if it is right now. Everything that God spoke into existence started with him conceiving it in his heart. And in this Hebrew word, it also implies the concept of intention. So when God conceives this in his heart and he's speaking it, he is speaking it with an intention. And that intention is first and foremost 
that what he is saying or what he has conceived in his heart and what he is saying, that once it comes into existence, it will be in harmony or an exact reflection of what he has experienced in, in, in his heart. Now, let me just tell you, I have a program called Heart Physics that teaches you all of the subtle uh, insights that the Bible gives us about biblical meditation, how to write things on our heart, establish our heart, how to guide our heart, but uh, how to hear the voice of God, recognize the voice of God in our heart. Uh, and so it is a 30-day life transformation program that you may want to check out if you, if you want to move deeper into this because this is where Jesus functioned. This is where we are supposed to function. Everything that happens in the supernatural, everything that happens between us and God is supposed to happen in and from and through the heart. Now, so God, God conceived it. He brought it to life in his heart. And then he had intention, and that intention was for it to come into existence in the material world. And so he spoke words that he could he, that that he was already experiencing as being real. He, there was no sense. Faith has no sense of I'm gonna try to make this happen. Faith has this sense of this is already mine. This is already real. This already exists in my heart. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I know how much I'm gonna enjoy it because I'm already enjoying it. And so when it speaks. It is, it, is, it is not trying to make something happen. It is affirming that which has already been conceived, that which are, has already been birthed in, in our heart. And so it says, so, so, you know, so God did this, the light comes into being, and then verse four says, and God saw the light that it was good. Well, the, the word good, of course, obviously means pleasant, desirable, you know, positive outcome. But at the same time, anytime you see the word good in the Bible, you need to think about harmony. Even, even the Greek New Testament it, it, it follows this pattern, but most definitely every time in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, you see the word good. You need, you need to realize this is not just talking about something that is pleasant and pleasable, pleasing and enjoyable. This is talking about something that is in harmony. So in this case... Jesus spoke the word with the intention that that thing that manifests, that thing that comes into being, would be in exact harmony with what he had conceived in his heart, but also goes farther than that, it would be in exact harmony with his intention. Well, his intention, he created this whole universe, everything in this universe. He created uh, you know, our solar system, uh, our galaxy, our solar system, for all, all that's in the universe exists for one purpose, to provide a physical environment that is the perfect environment for the human race and for the creation on planet Earth. And that's it. And so, so when God spoke, he said, man, this is in exact harmony with what I conceived in my heart, but it's in exact harmony with my intentions because I'm good. I'm only good. I'm only love. I'm only light. I'm only, you know, I'm not, you know, God is not darkness. He is not death. He is not confusion. He is none of those things. And so everything in planet earth is meant to keep us in harmony with God's intention for us. So, um, <clears throat> you want to, you want to realize that when Jesus taught about faith in Mark 11, 22 through 24, it seems like Jesus is kind of coming up with something that nobody had ever heard until that day. Now, I want to tune you into a really good secret. I want you to realize something. Jesus never said anything that wasn't already in the Bible. And uh, man, you don't, you don't have to study the languages to know this, 
But the more I've studied language for the last 50 years, I, I, I got to tell you, the more I see how consistent God is, but how that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, Jesus, the prophets, all these people actually said the same thing. You know, I heard somebody say this the other day, and he was talking about the reasons that he believed the Bible. And he said, he said well, you know, among other things, you know, first of all, uh, the Bible is a book that talks about science, and there has never been one actual scientific discovery that has ever actually been in contradiction with the Bible that has been proven to be true. There is nothing in the scientific world today contradicts the Bible that, that there's actually proof for. They are just theories that people make up, uh, and then they, then they try to find ways to, to prove them. The Bible is a has history in it, accounts of history, uh, and there has never been one historical discovery that has ever proven the Bible to be incorrect or wrong. There's been people that would think that they had found something until, oh, well, wait a minute, we get a little farther down the road and suddenly we discover, oh, no, 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 the Bible was right all the time. Of course, people don't come out and admit that. They don't say that. But uh, um, one of the things this guy said I thought was so interesting, he said, this is a book that has one common theme from beginning to end. But the amazing thing is this book was written by more than 40 different men and there is no inconsistency in the common goal and the common theme. There is no inconsistency in the facts. There's no inconsistency in the information. And these 40 plus men that wrote these scripture, scriptures inspired by God did it over a period of 1600 years plus. And so, you know, they didn't get together and collaborate. So how is it that, that all of these people stayed true to the same thing? I mean, it could, it's not coincidence. It could not happen by chance. And then, of course, he said this, which, man, this is something that moved me when I first got saved. He said, and there are over 100 scriptures about the coming of the Lord Jesus. Uh, you know, the first coming and then about the second coming. And they have all happened just exactly so far as the Bible said they would hundreds of years or a thousand years or several thousand years beforehand. You know something, that makes it really easy to, to believe the Word of God, to have confidence in God, to have confidence in who He is. But all that goes back to the fact that you'll discover Jesus never said anything any different from anything that had already been spoken or prophesied in the Old Testament. He might have elaborated on it. He might have brought more light and understanding to it, but, but it was never different. There's nothing in contradiction with the New Testament and the Old Testament. Now, so Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus, you know, this is that, you remember Jesus and the boys were walking and they were on their way to town and, you know, they go by a, a fig tree and Jesus goes to get a fig. There's no figs on it. He cursed a fig tree. All it means to curse something is to speak death over it. Um, uh, to bless something means to speak life and speak positive and speak encouragement to it. You know, it's amazing how we, we pray uh, for a miracle, and then we curse it by saying, well, I don't know, nothing's happening. I can't see anything happening. It's not going to happen. I don't believe God is ever going to do this. What's going to happen next? The shoe's going to drop. All that kind of stuff. That's cursing something that you tried to bless. So, so the next day, when they come back, they walk by this fig tree. They see this fig tree is dead. It's like, oh, man, what happened here? And so Jesus says to them, uh, have faith in God, or as some people say, the faith of God or uh, some translations say the kind of faith God has. But basically, 
Jesus is not saying, religion would have to twist this and then translate it as have faith in God. In other words, if you have faith in God, you'll get him to do this for you. No, this is not about you getting God to do something. This is about you functioning the way God created you. So this is about us being created in the likeness and image of God. He says, for surely I say unto you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. There it is. That's exactly what God in, did in creation. God brought himself to a place where he, he conceived and believed something in his own heart. And once he conceived and believed it in his heart, what did he do? He spoke it. He spoke this thing into existence with intention, and it came out exactly like he believed in his heart. Uh, and, he, and he didn't move or allow himself to be moved to the place of doubt. Now, in the, in the series for this, and let, let me just tell you, I've, I've got an eight-message uh, series in this. going to be about six, six and a half hours a detailed teaching, which for those of you who want to dive deeper in this word, I'll, I, you know, I put this stuff out here for free and give you everything I can give you, but there's always people who want to go deeper. I've got a, got a great, great series for you. But let me tell you a great thing about this. This series is included in our Christmas special. So, so you will be able to get this at whatever the Christmas special is. And, uh, you know, we're, we're having specials running all December, so be sure and check it out because I'm telling you, you're going to get, get some great deals. And the great thing is, number one, you're investing in your own heart but number two we use these resources to reach the world you know right now we are reaching people all over the world we're reaching into prisons we're reaching into nations of the world we're we, we're training uh, pastors all over the world and uh, you can be a part of that by either being a contributor and if you want to find out more about contributing go to uh, impactministries.com and just just check out what it means to be a world changer to help us change the way the world sees god uh, but also when you purchase something this uh, helps uh, finance retaking the gospel of the world now jesus says something i got to hit this really quick so in verse 24 he says therefore i say to you what things soever you ask in prayer believe that you receive them and you will have them man when you get to that verse 24 you're like whoa wait a minute you were talking about using authority, and now you have jumped to prayer. Well, the problem is this. We don't realize that the type of prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to use, there's many different types of prayer, but Jesus taught the disciples to pray in a way where they use their authority. They use the keys of the kingdom. Now, let me say this. If you don't understand the keys of the kingdom and using authority, get my book called The Keys of the Kingdom because uh, I go into great detail about that and I probably uh, uncover nearly every stone in that thing so that you can understand what it means to use the keys of the kingdom. And so he's talking about a type of prayer where you are, where you are using your authority. Now, you notice that it says that, that so whatever things you ask, that word to ask, uh, is, is a Greek word that really is, is, is not begging for something or trying to talk God into getting something or giving you something. It's like a child asking a mother for a glass of water. There is always the, the assumption that it is already given to them. So he says, you've got to believe that you have received it when you exercise this authority, when you do what he said to do in verses 22 and 23. And, and it will manifest. You will receive it. You will take hold of it. And this will absolutely come to pass uh, in your life. So I want you to understand something. Uh, this is starts, as we were in the book of Job, you got to decide. 
you got to decide what do I want as it provided for me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If it is, I have to make a faith, if you will, a trust decision. If I trust God, then I know I can make this decision. But it's not enough just to make the decision. You don't make the decision and start begging God. You make the decision and then you start decreeing. You start using the keys of the kingdom to bind and loose. And, and you can bind away from your life anything that Jesus set you free from. And you can bring into your life anything that is yours through the new covenant. Man, I want to tell you something. This message will help people all over the world. Be sure and share this with other people. And you know what? Go to, go If you want to receive a, a regular notifications, special offers, if you want to have access to all kinds of free teaching materials, be sure and go to our website and get on our, our uh, email list. And we won't bug you to death. We won't send you a lot of junk, but we will send you things that will help you. All right, guys, I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.